Here it comes. All right, here we go. Welcome to the revolution. You're welcome. All over the world, the movement is getting stronger. If you want to know the truth, yes, I think you guys are a little weird. Booyah! Our voice is getting louder. Yeah, baby! We are the pulse of America and stewards of the outdoors. Hey, are we done here? Because I'm losing my buzz. <laughs> welcome to the one and only revolution with Jim and Trav, presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Bushcraft Basics. Metallica, right? No. <laughs> Not even close. All right, so we're talking Bushcraft Basics on today's show. We're going to go to Alaska. We're going to be dropped in the middle of nowhere. And you know how I prepare for a long, arduous trip? I like to camp in your basement. (laughs) Jimbo's basement is like a wild jungle. He's got a trap line in there and everything. (laughs) All right, so we're going to be joined by who, Jimbo, on this week's show? Hey, we're going to have old Casey Kiefer. Uh, He is the co-host of Dropped, and they go to the Brooks Range in Alaska. That's right, the bearded legend himself, Casey Kiefer, the co-host, Dropped alongside his brother, Chris. All new season coming February 24th, 8 p.m. Eastern time to Outdoor Channel. He's going to be teaching us about, uh, for one, Staying alive. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, how to stay alive. We're also going to have Daniel Vitalis. What an awesome guy. Uh, third season of Wild Fed. Catch the all-new season Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, he eats Outdoor everything. Channel. Yeah, during the Taste of Wild block. This guy is such an amazing hunter and forager. Uh, he'll tell you what to eat to not die. That's always handy. Yeah. Uh, we're also gonna Unless have- you have this desire. If you have an affinity for dying, then don't listen to the show. I guess go out with Cat Daddy. Yeah. We're also going to have Cat Daddy on, and Lord knows what he's going to talk about, but it's going to be interesting. So let's get to... Hey, we got to get to old Casey Kiefer, host of Dropped. We're going dropped. It's Bushcraft Basics this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Let's go. Now, kicking off a two-part interview with Casey Kiefer, co-host of Dropped. New season coming February 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Presented by Outdoor Channel. Sports Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. This is part one. Grab this dude by his heels, turn him upside down. I kind of feel like the Kiefer Brothers are the A-team. Do they sell cookies? Yeah, they're like Girl Scouts. <laughs> Just with beards. You know, anymore it's okay if you have a beard in the Girl Scouts. Don't uh, discriminate. All right, so we got Like Casey. my old girlfriend. Yeah, Jimbo's <laughs> girlfriend is hairy. Uh, so we got Casey Kiefer. He is on the line. This man is amazing. He's a great hunter. And he knows how to paddle a canoe. Without a paddle. <laughs> yeah, he's on that creek all the time, folks. Casey, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad, not too bad. I don't know if I know everything about being dropped, but I know a few things. <laughs> there you go. Now, now this is this is like the, the beginning of the eighth season, starting with February 24th. And uh, you have been dropped in a lot of crazy places. I mean, eight seasons of this stuff? Where did you go? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're season eight. Uh, this year we went back up to Alaska. Uh, we were in the Brooks Range again, which is probably, you know, of all the locations and all the places that we've ever gone. I mean, it is hard to beat Alaska in general, let alone the Brooks Range. So yeah, we, we thrust ourselves back into the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, like once again, spoiler alert, I made it out alive. So anybody that's, uh, you know, looking forward to me not making it, I hate to ruin the ending. Yeah. Now, Chris didn't fare so well. <laughs> yeah. um, but you guys, exactly. you know, you you kicked it off. You were in Alaska. You've done New Zealand, Canada and the Arctic. And you're back in the Brooks Range. 
uh, amazing place, very wild. But you very guys, rugged. you guys literally started a phenomenon. I mean, you know how many television, you were really the pioneers of doing this. Uh, and it really seems like a lot of people caught wind of what you're doing and copied you guys. Yeah, it seems like there's guys that are getting out there more and more, which is awesome to see. You know, as long as they're respecting the resource, it's great to see people getting out there and doing, uh, you know, challenging themselves in the backcountry, especially for an extended period of time. But, you know, we certainly can't take credit for all of it. There were a lot of pioneers well before us who established life in the backcountry. So, you know, we just kind of try to learn from those guys as we were growing up and, you know, pay attention to who they were and what they were doing and adapt it and kind of do our own version. Yeah. Now, when you're out there, obviously you went in September, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we went in September. Yeah. So there are a lot of uh, big game seasons open. You can do some fishing. Is that primarily how you guys sustained yourself was living off the land, purchasing tags, hunting, providing for yourselves? Is that what you guys did? Yeah, for the most part, we basically try to live off of uh, anything we can pick, kill or catch, right? That's kind of the mindset behind it. But, you know, like I said, life life now is a little different than it was in my younger years. So, you know, maybe we snuck a little pouch of food out there with us. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's funny because Chris and I always have that conversation, you know, before we gear up and get ready to go. And I think this year's conversation went something like this. We've done this seven times with no food. Do we really need to do it in eight? Because I prove <laughs> yeah. to myself what I can do. <laughs> yeah, who am I trying to <laughs> <You> prove? <know? laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we might have had a, we might have had some MRE. Yeah. Well, now the thing is, when you think about, well, I'm going to live off the fat of the land. The fact is, um, you're either going to take a caribou, a moose, a bear, something like that. And of course, the fish. But what about the rest of the stuff? Were you able to forage any plants? Yeah. So there's usually, uh, you know, that time of year, there's a lot of low bush blueberries, especially up there in the tundra. You get gets covered with blueberries pretty well. Um, but then you know, there's other there's other plants and stuff. Uh, that we're, that we're able to use. I mean, I, I do a lot of, you know, I'll make tea when I'm out there with Labrador and some of that kind of stuff. Colt's foot, if we start to get sick. Um, but you know, the plant game can be a tricky game just because plant identification is so important. So usually we try, you know, unless I'm a hundred percent sure, usually I don't mess around with the plants too much. You had no hemlock there, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, I want to stay away from that. I think there's been a movie about that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, when it came to gear, did you guys, and I know you can't give away the nitty gritty, because once again, the eighth season of Dropped, it's going to premiere February 24th on Outdoor Channel. That's Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, the amount of gear you took, uh, did you limit what you had? Did you take Weight-wise or what? sleeping bags, tents, pots and pans? I mean, kind of what was the bare minimum that you guys took? Yeah, so usually the personal gear ends up being about 35 pounds all said and done. But wow. then we've got, you know, camp gear. Uh, we did take tents in our sleeping bags and all that stuff. It's a little bit different for us because we're out there to try and capture and document the story. Uh, you know, so our camera equipment really comes first and foremost. Now, the camera equipment has changed drastically since the days that we started this thing. Everything's a bit smaller, but it's still vulnerable. It's still, you know, you, you're exposing it to nasty weather basically all day, every day. But uh, this year was, you know, more of a throwback again to that original season where we just kind of decided to step back and, you know, capture the story and just kind of, you know, let the story tell itself. Now, after doing it so many years, you know what to expect. You know the dangers, the pitfalls, how to avoid things. Uh, when it comes to the mental aspect, Casey, is it harder getting prepared for it, knowing what you're going into, or is it tougher mentally when you're in the thick of it dealing with it? 
you know, I think that that preparation, you know, it, it's nice to have somewhat of an idea going out there what could happen. But, you know, the thing with Alaska is you can't think more than a couple hours ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, you're always trying to think of, all right, I, you know, I got to put myself into a situation to, to make sure I get through these next couple hours. And, uh, you know, we'll, once we do that, then we'll tackle the, the hours that follow. So, you know, really it's taxing on your mind as you're going through it because you're constantly trying to adjust and understand what's going on, whether it's the wildlife or the weather or the travel or, you know, whatever scenario you thrust yourself in, you know, you've always got to kind of be in that survival mode. Um, you know, and even when you think things are going great, all of a sudden, you know, it can change on a dime up there. So you really, it's just mentally taxing. I guess that's the best way to put it. And we've always said your mind will wear out out there long before your body will. You know, most people, their mind's going to tap out fairly quickly in those kind of really rough and rugged situations. So, you know, having that mental fortitude, I think, is probably uh, it's definitely a good thing. It's a good attribute to have if you're ever going to go out there for that period of time. You bet. Hey, Casey, we got to take a break. Can you stick around? Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we're talking with Casey Kiefer. He is the co-host of Dropped. A new season stuff comes up February 24th on Outdoor Channel. That's right. Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This has been presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, My Outdoor TV. Pick up the previous seasons of Dropped on My Outdoor TV. But to learn more about you guys, get teaser clips, uh, updates, all that good stuff, man. Where you're going? Where can we find you guys online? You know, most of the stuff nowadays is all in the social media world. That's uh, you know, Keeper Brothers. We've got the Facebook page, Instagram, all that stuff, and that's really the best place to go for the latest and greatest. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel over at Keeper Brothers YouTube channel. People can check stuff out there. So you know, the digital world nowadays, a little bit of a little bit of everywhere. Casey Keeper will be back right after this. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. It's either us or air supply. Mmm, yeah. Connect with the boys 24-7 and provide valuable feedback at JimandTrav.com. Stick around. The Revolution will be right back. Home improvement meets outdoor lifestyle. This thing's got good bones. On the all-new original series, Renovation Hunters. When people have their hunting camps and fishing camps, sometimes these structures don't get taken care of. Host Hal Schaefer and his talented craftsmen have just seven days to transform a rundown structure into a beautiful cabin, lodge, or vacation home. Renovation Hunters premieres Friday, February 24th at 8.30 p.m. On Outdoor Channel. High Mountain Seasonings, the world's best kits for turning your game into jerky and sausage. Look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. The Revolution with Jim and Travis back with Bushcraft Basics. What do you mean exactly? Now let's get back to Casey Kiefer, co-host of Dropped. New season coming February 24th at 8 p.m. to Outdoor Channel. Presented by My Outdoor TV. Stream on your favorite device or download to watch anywhere, anytime. My Outdoor TV at MyOutdoorTV.com. Here's part two. Hey, we are back. It's an exciting show this week, Trav. We have got Casey Kiefer. He's already done a segment with us. And I got to tell you, going to the Brooks Range in Alaska, hot spot. Now, Casey, you're out there with your brother, Chris. You know, you you obviously know him very well. Uh, You can rely on him. You can depend on him. You know what pushes his buttons. But do you ever think, I mean, honestly, when you're 20 days into this, it's really nice having a partner that is dependable. But you do have to deal with the emotional aspect of having someone else there when they're close to you. Those tensions tend to run a bit further 
Also, it takes twice as much food, twice as much gear. Do you ever think this would be easier alone? You know, uh, it, it's funny you say that because we've talked about that. I've thought about that. Yeah. We've actually talked about challenging ourselves to go do it separately by oh. ourselves and just kind of see how it plays out. You know, it is awesome being out there with Chris. We, You know, obviously, he's my brother. We've been together, been doing this forever. And, you know, I'm the right hand. He's the left hand kind of thing. And we kind of just know how it goes. But, you know, I also tell people, like, lock yourself in a 12 by 12 room with somebody for 30 days and see how well you get along after day 15. <laughs> you know, I mean, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, I need something else to stare at, something else to talk to. You know, it's uh, it gets old after a while, especially when you don't shower for that period of time. That's like, you know, that's just an extra rub, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, but you all smell alike, though. What is <laughs> what is the, the most difficult part for you? Is it the day in, day out grind? Is it away from family? Is it modern conveniences? If you could pinpoint one aspect of being out there, and it, you know, you think about it, it's just not 30 days. I mean, you spend 30 days for the series, but it's a hell of a lot longer than that. Um, what sure, is yeah. it? What is the one thing you could pinpoint to you that kind of just gets on your nerves the most? Yeah, for me now, definitely now, it's time away from family, time away from home. Um, you know, back in my younger years, really, when we first kicked this thing off, uh, you know, I had a very, very young family, and it was a little bit easier to kind of sneak away for an extended period of time. But now, you know, especially this year, this trip, I do a lot of coaching. I coach hockey for my oldest son, my youngest son's in a skills development program. So, you know, there's a lot of things I'm missing when I'm out there. And you know, that's kind of the, the first thing I think of every morning when I wake up. And the last thing I think about before I go to bed is what's going on at home with my boys and my wife and what am I missing and what could I, could I be doing instead of sitting here staring at my brother on day 30, <laughs> you know? So that, that's definitely the hardest part. I mean, it, it wears on you. Life out there is incredible. It's a throwback. You know, we really get to see what, what life is like, uh, or as I put it, life was intended to be when we're out there in the middle of nowhere. But you know, there is that family aspect that just wears on you. I mean, every single day. And it gets to a point where you're like, all right, I got to get out of here. As great as this is, I need to go home and see my family. Now, out of the eight seasons, just viewer-wise, I mean, that's 240 days. I mean, realistic at planning, you know, what you guys used to do with the caches. But it, it's probably closer to 300 days straight, really. Uh, yeah. that you spend away. And that's just for this one adventure. That's not any other series. That's not any other hunt. Um, after that much time doing this, are you still learning new things? Are you are you still discovering your own inadequacies out in the woods, learning from that, growing? Or is it just kind of the same old, same in, you know, day in, day out? No, you're, you're I'm, at least for me, I'm constantly learning. I think, whether, you know, it's how to do something more efficiently, how to do something a little bit better, uh, you know, how to change a mindset on what you thought. Uh, there's always something to be had when you're out there. There's always takeaways. That's what I call them. Most of the takeaways nowadays, I mean, we've got our process down, you know, our physical process of how we camp and how we move and how we, you know, how we t tackle a hunt and certain things like that. We've got those pretty well down. I think it's that mental game now for us. It's, you know, learning a little bit something new about yourself every single day. 
and, uh, you know, maybe changing a mindset or maybe changing your perspective, even on stuff that goes on back home, life back home. It might not, not, not necessarily be about what's going on in the bush, you know, but when you're out there, you've got plenty of time to get inside your own mind and really put things into perspective. So, I mean, there's always something, whether it's, you know, physical or, or mental, there's always something new to learn. Yeah. Did you guys uh, take satellite phones with you? Yep. Yeah, we did. We took a satellite phone this year. So, okay, so um, you, you had communication. We've had those go down on us in the past, too. I think we lost one on day three in one season. So that, that year, I think we were out there for 37 days. Nobody heard from us. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> now, now yeah. when, when you're out there, you know, I was uh, did a float trip down the Alagnac River uh, for about four days, and I mm-hmm. just landed a 45-pound king salmon on a fly rod. And, oh. uh, man, that was an hour-and-a-half fight. And I had the guy come up, and he had a, a cold Pepsi behind his back and he said if you could have anything you could want what would you like right now i looked at him didn't he bat an eye i said a hug for my five-year-old you kind of get harking back to that family don't you yeah absolutely that's one of the things i look forward to the most again you know chris and i talking about we've done this a number of times now and i've i've you know, proven myself to myself. And now it's about how can I share this knowledge with the world? How can I share this with my kids and get them out there and get them to experience everything, you know, that I'm so lucky to experience, you know, maybe when they see what happens, they'll understand why dad's gone a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, you're talking about encouraging people and, and you really want to have people live vicariously through you guys, but ultimately you want them to go out and pursue, you know, some type of adventure, whatever it may be. Have you guys had your your fans or the people that follow you ever come up and say, dude, I watched season three of Dropped and it encouraged me to do this trip or something? Have you guys ever had that? Absolutely. That's probably the most rewarding part of this entire thing. I mean, making it out of drop alive is obviously pretty rewarding, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but having somebody come up to us and say, listen, man, I, I watched drop and you literally changed my life. Wow. You know, I was like this before and I watched it and I've now been inspired to get up and get going and get moving. Or, you know, I've been inspired to challenge myself to learn new things. You know, even if it's something as simple as I go camping now, like that's awesome. It's a great big world out there. We need it's a, It's our playground. We need to go, explore it and be part of it and respect it all at the same time. So, um, you know, also I think one of the cool things that we get a lot is, Hey, you know, my, my kids or my wife and my kids would never watch outdoor hunting or, or programming with me before, but now we sit down as a family and watch every episode of drop mm. because it's not a hunting show. Dropped is a show more about just life and survival and us being part of the environment uh, so I think that's been pretty cool, too. But anytime anybody can get out there and share their be alive moment with us or their be alive story that we've you know, had a small part in, in allowing them to take on, that is ultimately why I do it. You bet. Hey, that's words to live by. We've been talking with Casey Kiefer. He is a co-host of Drop. New season begins February 24th on Outdoor Channel. That's right. Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This has been presented by My Outdoor TV. Stream on your favorite device or download to watch anywhere, anytime. My Outdoor TV at MyOutdoorTV.com. And just honestly hop on there uh, and search Casey Kiefer, Chris Kiefer, Kiefer Brothers, anything dropped. A lot of good stuff is going to come up. Before we get to a break, man, learn more about you guys. Where do we have to go? Yeah, check out the Kiefer Brothers over on Instagram. We've also got the Kiefer Brothers YouTube channel. Uh, we're in the middle of making some changes to the website stuff right now but that's keeperbros.com so uh yeah a lot of a lot of things going on every single day and we're just gonna 
Keep on keeping on. As long as we make it out of the drop alive, we'll keep doing it. All right, coming up next, we have Daniel Vitalis, the host of Wild Fed. That is Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Mr. Casey, thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. We'll thaw out soon enough. Hang in there. (laughs) You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. And now, some highlights from the show. Don't be so obnoxious. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Hmm, that's kind of sad. Don't move. More thrilling outdoor radio when the revolution with Jim and Trav. That is true, yes. Yeah. Continues next. There are plenty of great anglers out there. This is a different world of fish. A different world. But there's only one Bill Dance. Oh, boy, peel that line. Look at that dragon. That thing is gone. Get the scoop on the fish. You are a tarpon catching this son of a gun. Then get the fish in the boat. Are you happy? I'm very happy, buddy. <laughs> Bill Dance Saltwater, Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. on Sportsman Channel. High Mountain Seasonings. Do yourself a flavor with over 200 different items. And look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. We're back. The revolution with Jim and Trav is on with Bushcraft Basics. Now kicking off another two-parter with Daniel Vitalis, host of Wild Fed. Catch the all-new season every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. This is part one. Hey, we are back. We're talking bushcraft basics on this week's show. Before the break, Casey Kiefer, what a great guy he is, talking about being on the Brooks Range. That's right. The all-new season of Dropped. It is going to premiere February 24th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Right now, though, we have a man that will fatten you up on prairie dogs, Daniel Vitalis. He's the host of the all-new third season, Wild Fed, Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel during the Taste of the Wild block. Daniel, you have to tell us. A lot of people don't eat prairie dog. How were they? Well, first I got to tell you, I got a beautiful Boone and Crockett prairie dog skull sitting <laughs> on my mantle, and uh, it's quite a trophy. You know, they yeah, I know people love them for target practice, but you know, people like eating gray squirrels. At least I do. And for me, uh, they're sort of like a cross between a groundhog and a gray squirrel. Oh wow, a groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Yeah, actually, a lot of folks back east. Now, we don't have too many groundhogs out here, but uh, we do have a lot of prairie dogs. But I've never eaten a groundhog. It, it's not like chicken, is it? Yeah, okay, so they're all squirrels, right? So you get your ground squirrels and your tree squirrels. And, and there's so many misconceptions. Like here, we've got the red squirrels up in the trees, and people go, oh, they taste like pine. And it's like, well, they don't. They taste great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, the gray squirrels. But then you've got your ground squirrels, and that includes your marmots and your groundhogs, but also your prairie dogs. And uh, they're a traditional food, and they're, they're really good, man. I think uh, people spend a lot of time blasting them apart with deer caliber rifles, but get at them with a 22 or a 17 HMR, get some headshots, and uh, you got really good white meat. I, you know, not exactly like chicken, but yeah, you got that kind of white meat, small game flavor going on. Your your biggest hater has to be Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 He's anti-groundhog Sorry day. for the long winter, but I shot the prairie <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so so cool, man. Love watching Wild Fed. Uh, and you really do dive into, you know, I wouldn't say it's bizarre things. You kind of like what's appropriate in the culture you're around and what they eat. You know, you were out last season and you took the buffalo. And uh, you go back and you do the prairie dog. 
Uh, I, I thought that was really neat, man. Yeah, we were out with, you know, those are folks from uh, the, the Standing Rock Reservation, so Lakota and Dakota people. And, you know, they used to, of course, um, what they would do is set traps right above the hole. So the prairie dogs would come up out of the ground and you'd snag them that way. Yeah. And then you didn't have any bullet damage. Uh, it was actually quite a challenge to get, you know, you'd think, oh, it's easy to get some prairie dogs. But, of course, if you're using a smaller caliber rifle, you got to get close. And get, they don't let you get within 100 yards usually. So now you're, you're trying to hit them at 80, 100 yards with a 22, which is a, lot, a little bit challenging. And then they drop right into that hole. So getting at them was a challenge. But, uh, but yeah, we were able to do a nice traditional meal there. And then we paired them up with the prairie turnip, which is um, like a tuber, almost potato-like tuber that's a real traditional food out there as well. So we did prairie dogs and prairie turnips. And it was a fantastic meal. Now, can you eat the prairie turnips raw or do they have to be cooked? You can eat them raw. And, and, and the way that they're used there is they sort of use the roots of them. They'll peel off the outer husk of them so you've got these like potato-like tubers and then they braid them together with a little bit of the taproot that's left over and they get these long braids everybody hangs in their kitchen out there and so mm. the idea is if anybody ever stops by you've always got some food hanging you can cook up so real important traditional food there can be eaten raw but even better cooked and and uh it does have like kind of a potato-like texture and flavor and definitely a carbohydrate rich food you know the interesting part about the 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 indigenous tribes out there i mean they really kind of ate everything and nothing was off the table if you will uh you know whether they'd be small prairie dogs or the as a big buffalo talk about the sublime to the ridiculous but nevertheless they were opportunists and they gathered things just like you did yeah, and you know you, you you get the situation where these two animals are um kind of intertwined you know so prairie dog habitat is good bison habitat so you know, and I find personally in my own kitchen, I don't know about you guys, but it's like if I'm eating red meats like bison or deer for a few days, you know, I start to crave maybe a white meat. So then it's like on to some small game. And then after a few days, it's like, man, I need something different. It's like fish. So I'm always kind of cycling through fish, white meat, dark meat. And so I would imagine it's the same, you know, bison day in, day out. You're like, every once in a while, maybe you want to eat a prairie dog. Yeah, I feel <laughs> the same way when uh, when I eat McDonald's and then I want to go to Burger King. Yeah, yeah you want to go to Burger King. You want a little Impossible Burger on the third <laughs> yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Now, you also, you know, I was actually, it's really stupid. I was reading the ingredients on a Worcester bottle, Worcestershire <laughs> W sauce, however you want to call it. And uh, it said it had, uh, you know, one of the main components is anchovies. But you went after alewife. Is that how you say it in Maine, alewife? Yeah, alewife. Some people say, because they got kind of like a real fat belly. Yeah. And some people say it has to do, it was a reference to women who were drinking a lot of beer back in the day. <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story. I'm just trying to find out what it really means. But uh, they're a herring, you know, that run into our rivers. And that episode actually, we're excited to air that one tonight. Um that's a real conservation success story for Maine because these fish used to run our rivers, um, kind of similar to our Atlantic salmon, but uh, we lost them due to dams. And uh, they've been brought back to a large degree. And in fact, there's some footage in this episode where you can't see the river bottom. It's just from one end to the other. It's, it's completely congested. I mean, you could just walk on the fish to get across. 
I mean, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of fish all piled up at these dams. Wow. And uh, you, you dip net them. And um, food value is not great, you know, to be honest, <laughs> like any herring. So you got to get creative in turning them into food. But we did that. We did three recipes, and uh, they were wonderful. You pair it with the old groundhog and prairie dog. Well, you've got yourself a meal right there. <laughs> Hell of a taco. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting yeah. some reputation here on this show. I can tell. Yeah, now there's a, there's a large infestation of Aloy in uh, the Great Lakes. And uh, I know they introduced, I think it was a salmon to eat the alewi, and it didn't work out. Yeah, that's a problem from what I understand. So I imagine that they're using the Great Lakes um, and the river systems there the way they'd use the ocean and the river systems here. But, yeah, you want them out of there, but we, we certainly want them running our rivers again. I mean, it's the coolest thing to watch them coming in because uh, you've got the ospreys and the bald eagles are just piled up fishing them. And then at night, of course, all the kind of mammals are coming down to feed in there, too. And then you've got the lobstermen out there that's catching them for bait. So uh, everybody's kind of piled up trying to get their hands on these fish in the, you know, one or two weeks that they're there. All right. So when you're, let's say, studying to go to a place, Daniel, or you're going to go there, do you look at what is in the area, what is native to that place, whether it be game, whether it be plant, so on and so forth, and see what you can harvest there successfully and go after, you know, things that people pass by every single day and don't think about. Is that kind of the approach you take? That is part of it, you know. I mean, I'm not, I, I love to do a deer episode or a bison episode or something like that, but I, I really believe that uh, we we tend to turn our nose up at a lot of things that are quality food, and I'm really interested in the taboos of why. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I just want to eat the thing that everybody's walking by. And so, yeah, you know, and a lot of those species don't have bag limits. They're not regulated. And it makes going after them a little bit easier, too, you know. So, you you know, when you want to take a bison, as you guys know, there's a lot there oh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, deal with, a lot of red tape. But, uh, yeah, when you want to go after prairie dogs, you know how it is. No bag limits. No one cares. And it makes for a really fun day, in my opinion. But but I'm also really interested in kind of honoring species that usually people sort of laugh at or, or disregard. Because um, I kind of think any species that's been here for millions and millions of years of evolution kind of deserves a little bit of a trophy. It's like, hey, guys, good job. You made it this far. Yeah. Now, the more I watch you and the more we talk to you, the more I realize just how much we don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> you you, you really dive into some interesting things that, you know, would be fun to try, especially I see that you didn't die, so it's safe for me. <laughs> uh, but you, you talk about, how do you say it, pawpaw? It's uh, growing in, like, wild in 26 states. Is that what you call it? Yeah, the pawpaw is the largest uh, tropical fruit in North America. And actually, it's the entire family of fruits that it comes from are typically found south of the United States, and they're they're called the custard apples. Mm. So it's cherimoya, atamoya, soursop, real popular in the tropics. But this one uh, fruit sort of made its way into North America all the way up um, to, like, Ohio. Wow. And uh, if you haven't had this, you got to get your hands on one. I mean, there's quite a few varieties, and they're funky. They're a bit like a... <laughs> A banana with mango, something like that, for flavor. But they can be, they can be the size of a large potato. I mean, they get pretty big, and um, 
the people who are into this thing are a strange bunch, and they got festivals every year, Pawpaw Festival. So very weird characters, very funky, but uh, I've got a bunch of them in my freezer I keep pulling out from time to time, and they are just, uh, that is a really, really interesting food. You bet. Hey, we got to take a break. Can you stick around? Yeah, okay. All right, hey, we're talking with Daniel Vitales. He's the host of Wild Fed. It's uh, on Outdoor Channel Monday nights at 7.30 Eastern Time. That's right. Catch the all-new season, and this has been presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network and My Outdoor TV. Mr. Daniel, you're coming back. Uh, but before we get to a break, man, to learn all about you, Wild Fed, you've got a podcast and you do so many awesome things, buddy. Where can we find you online? Yeah, you can find me at uh, wild-fed.com and, of course, uh, Wild Fed on all the social media. Daniel Vitalis, right after this. Bored this winter? You could dress up your cat, Meow Lee Cyrus, in Tommy Bahama clothes. <laughs> Or you could check out JimandTrav.com for some outdoor awesomeness. Outdoor radio for over 17 years. Stay tuned. The revolution will continue right after these messages. I want to welcome y'all to the King of the Raven Challenge! Out here, competition is everything. We're the team to beat right now. We're in the hot zone. We got birds coming. (laughs) They call me the turkey whisperer. And I've been known to kill a turkey or two in my day. It's about to get serious. All I know is I'm here to win. Who will be crowned King of the Raven? Series premiere, March 7th at 6.30 p.m. on Outdoor Channel. Outdoor adventure and great eating go hand in hand with all of our High Mountain Seasonings jerky kits, snack and sticks, buckboard bacon, finishing sauces, rubs and shakers, marinades, and more. Go to HIMTNJerky.com or call 1-800-829-2285 today. Welcome back to The Revolution with Jim and Trav and Bushcraft Basics. Now let's rejoin the boys and Daniel Vitalis, host of Wild Fed. Catch the all-new season every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings. Visit them to spice up your wild game cuisine at HIMTNJerky.com. Here's part two. Hey, we are back. We're talking bushcraft basics on this week's show. And, of course, uh, we had Daniel Vitalis on. He's the host of Wild Fed, and uh, he was talking about pawpaws. Now, the interesting thing about pawpaws, Daniel, is the fact that it's coveted. If you've got a pawpaw tree or, or whatever, I mean, you keep it pretty well hidden, don't you? Yeah, the pawpaw patch, as they often call it. And, you know, they're starting to be you know, a lot of people trying to get it to market because just such a wonderful fruit. A lot of folks wondering why you can't ever find one at a supermarket. But uh, there are people working on that, and so they're starting to cultivate it a little bit. But most of them are still wild, and, you know, Baloo mentions them in the Jungle Book. You know, they're in his song. I mean, these, these things were a big part of, you know, Lewis and Clark at one point subsisted on them for, uh, I think, a week or two weeks maybe. It was all they had for food, and they talked about how great they felt on them. I mean, this, this is a truly an American treasure that's just been forgotten about. So, you know, for me growing up, I thought – Oranges, apples, pears, and bananas were all the fruits. You know, that's all I knew about. And then I've learned, oh, man, there's more fruits than you could eat in a lifetime. I mean, you could eat a different fruit every day the rest of your life, not get through them all. But, you know, to know we have a fruit that size, bigger than an orange growing right here in North America, that's a tropical fruit, really exciting. I just think it's highly underutilized. Yeah, and, you know, you went to uh, Hawaii I mean, there, obviously, there's a lot of fruits and cool stuff there and scenery. and uh, But you took a black buck antelope, didn't you? Yeah, they had a real Jurassic Park kind of story out there. <laughs> uh, on the island of Molokai, you know, I was just back in Hawaii the other day. And, uh, 
when when you tell people you've been to Molokai, most people kind of go, oh, like I haven't even been there. Hawaiians say that to you. Molokai is uh, one of the islands that's basically locals only. But but they had back in the 70s a safari there, and the black buck antelopes escaped. And uh, I think a lot of animals did, but most died. Anyway, the black buck is set up and naturalized there. And so uh, it's a pretty good herd of them. Um, that and the axis deer. And I'll tell you what, that whole island, you know, people often like to say that uh, some invasive species is overpopulating. When you go out there, you don't usually see that with your own eyes, but this island is being eroded away by the axis deer and black buck. I mean, the island is just, dust is just pouring off into the sea because they're eating everything on the land. And so oh, wow. for anybody looking for a really fun, exciting hunt, because uh, that's kind of like Western big game hunting in that you're shooting 300, 400 yards, big open expanses that look like Mars, just red clay forever. And you're out spotting, stalking animals, taking long shots. And you're really, honestly, you're really helping that landscape. They need people out there. Maui, Lanai, and Molokai are just overrun with black buck and, and axis deer. Yeah. Now, this time of year, one of my favorite things, uh, well, one of my favorite things to eat, but to go after is rabbit. I mean, rabbit is delicious. You've got a crazy story, don't you? Yeah, well, we were just, uh, you know, we're actually, even though we're at air, we're, we were just filming our last hunt of the season for season three, and um, we were chasing uh, snowshoe hare behind beagles. And um, oh. I've handled snowshoe hare before. I don't know what happened, but uh, I started feeling a bit itchy in one of my eyes. I started scratching it. It's getting worse. I'm starting to wheeze. And my my team's looking at me like, hey, your eyes looking kind of red. But then after a few minutes, they're looking at me like, this is kind of bad. So we go back to the truck. I look in the mirror. I got an eye like Rocky Balboa, just completely <laughs> swollen shut. I peel my eye open, and I realize the whites of my eye are starting to, to swell over my iris. So you can't even see, like, the brown of my eye. And I thought, wow. oh, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah, we had to end that run. I went to the hospital. You know, uh, they were so short-staffed, and never even got to see anybody, so some Benadryl <laughs> took care of it. But then the rest, you know, we had two more days of hunting, so I basically didn't clean a rabbit. <laughs> I shot a few more, but I didn't uh, I didn't touch another one What do you after think, that. what was it that did it? I think it was the hair. You know, we had had a, um, it was the hare's hair. We had had a <laughs> real cold day. It got to, like, minus 20, and then oh. the next day it was 40 degrees. Oh. And they were just shedding like crazy, so I picked them up, and hair was just falling off of them. Because, um, you know what, I ended up eating the meat and I was just fine. But uh, now I'm going to have to be a little bit careful interacting with these snowshoe hares. Now, through all of your adventures, man, um, you know, I'm not a big water guy. I, I, you know, deep puddles I stay away from. You caught your sur- first swordfish, though, buddy. 7,000 feet of water. That's a hell of a that, – that's a that's deep – down there ways. Yeah, you better have a big anchor. Um, what was <laughs> – was that pretty exciting for you? Yeah, I spent a lot of time beforehand just trying to understand. I guess, you know, we take for granted, those of us on, you know, who live on the coast, that we, we live on a continental shelf. Yeah. And so you start heading offshore. And, you know, even when I'm offshore catching cod or pollock, you know, we're, you know, three hours out. We're still only in three, four hundred feet of water. Yeah. But as you push out and push out and push out, eventually you hit the point where the continent drops off. And of course, that was once exposed and rivers etched deep canyons there. So we were fishing those canyons. So you'd hit the top of those canyons at 500 feet and then you'd drop down through the canyons and you'd be six, seven thousand feet. Hmm. And then we even pushed out past that. We went out a hundred miles from Ocean City, Maryland. That put us out past the Gulf Stream. That was so amazing. I mean, you get out there, the water's not blue anymore. It's purple. 
and the side of the boat starts getting covered in salt that looks like sugar crystals. So it's like a different world out there. I'd never been out that mm. far before. Um, so yeah, that's something. And then knowing those swordfish traverse those kind of depths is just, it's absolutely incredible. Of course, you know, we're using electric reels for anybody who's picturing how long it would take to bring one in. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, that that was a really amazing experience. And, and, uh, for anybody who's not got a chance to get out that far, if you ever get it, um, you know, you're dealing with a whole different ocean out there. Yeah. Yeah, We'd have to work with the uh, winch on my, uh, Yamaha four wheeler. I don't think your cable's long enough. What do you what do you think caused the color change in the water? I don't really understand it completely, but it has to, a lot to do with temperature, I think. And oh. then that temperature affects salinity in uh, gases, you know? So, like, how, how much, uh, you know, oxygen can be dissolved, how much salt can be dissolved, I think is affected by the water. So, you know, when you get out to that Gulf Stream, you know, that's real interesting even uh, as far north as Maine because uh, if you get out into the Gulf Stream, suddenly you're in warm water. And in that warm water, you start finding all those warm water pelagic species, even though you're really far north. And so, because um, you've got that sort of conveyor belt of warm water that moves up from the Gulf of Mexico. So, um, yeah, I think it has to do with salinity and temperature. Mm. Yeah, listen to you, Daniel. I just find out how dumb I am. Yeah, I just nod and pretend. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just pretend that I'm keeping up with the conversation. <laughs> I, I just interview enough PhDs. I pick up the lingo. <laughs> yeah, so do I. It's usually, huh? Well, let's keep this pelagic here. Daniel Vitalis, the host of Wild Fed. You have to catch the all new season. It is so fun, so entertaining, and will really encourage you to to study and get out your own backyard uh, and discover new things. That's Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel during the Taste of Wild block. Again, man, where can we find you online? Yeah, you find me at wild-fed.com and uh, find me on Instagram at Daniel Vitalis. Yeah, and uh, after the break, we're going to be talking to Cat Dad. He's going to tell us how to find Fiddleheads. That's right. And this has been brought to you by High Mount Seasonings. Visit them online to spice up your pawpaw at uh, himdnjerky.com. <laughs> Mr. Daniel, dude, you are so awesome. We love you, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, guys. The newest piece of technology in the audio revolution. Jimandtrav.com. Log on now and connect with the boys and stick around. The revolution will return right after these messages. The family that works together, plays together. We're passing on a long history of family traditions. Got Pop out here with me, shot with his recurve, my grandpa's broadhead. And lives life to the fullest. Whatever the game, whatever the season, when you're outdoors, it's about just having fun. Everything wild, everything fun, everything family. We don't have an easy life, but we do have a blessed life. Everything Eichler, Sundays at 12.30 Eastern on Sportsman Channel. Thanks for tuning into The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Now, here's our catfishing guru, the proprietor of the beanhole, and a man with over 250 pairs of overalls, Cat Daddy. Brought to you by Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs and side-by-side vehicles. Check them out at YamahaMotorsports.com. Here are the boys. Hey, we're back. We're talking bushcraft basics on this week's show. And, of course, before the break, we had Daniel Vitalis on. What an interesting guy he is. That's right. And this next guest, you know him. And this was uh, Jimbo's Valentine this uh, past <laughs> Tuesday. He's Cat Daddy. He's the Kansas Cat Man. He'll he, pluck he your loves whiskers. Me. Yeah, he'll pluck your whiskers and give you a fillet. Cat Daddy, how's it going, buddy? Well, boys, how about them, Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest with you. 
I just learned from you that they won. I don't watch <laughs> football. Oh, my goodness. He's anti-American. I, I'm assuming they failed, right? They didn't win. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't serve the ball you're, right. You're lost soul, man. Lost soul. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to more important pressing things, catfishing. Cat Daddy, are the catfish excited that we're nearing the middle of February? Well, they're pretty daggone picky right now, I'll tell you that, man. We was out just the other day fishing for them, you know, to get a mess of eat. And daggone, you know, we had the shag. This is usually, you know, top dog bait for channel cats this time of year. The water's just a little bit, you know, chilly yet. Well, quite a bit chilly yet, really, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, they wouldn't hit nothing but the heads on them shad. Oh, really? I, I, I've only seen this a few times where you put shag guts on, they wouldn't touch it. Very rarely, very rarely do you see where where those daggone fish get this picky. I don't know what it is. Been trying to figure it out for years, but man, if you didn't have a small head of a shad on there, you wouldn't get no fish at all. Yeah, I think it's weird that the fish actually follow date and time, kind of. Because if you go to like Walmart, they have like Fourth of July stuff out already. <laughs> you know, like we've already moved on. Uh, but those fish, I mean. They're living in the moment, and those tactics kind of change day to day, don't they? Oh, you got to be ready to rock and roll with them fish, man. You know, if one thing don't work, try another bag of tricks. If that don't work, just keep trying something. Yeah, and last but not least, you can go home. Yeah, you can go home. You know, now well, I want to uh, ask yeah, you. go home and uh, unthaw them out of the freezer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you've heard about uh, chicken tenders and uh, and so forth. Can you make like a tender from a catfish? Can you fillet it out and then spice it up, put it in the oven, and go for it, or what? Oh yeah, yeah. Get you some graham cracker, uh, crushed up graham crackers, and in a bowl, and put them fish in there, roll it around a little egg. Oh, throw them babies in the oven. Yeah, you could you could have a fish tender. <laughs> have you ever used an air fryer before or not? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The wife uses them all the time. I have a hard time operating the daggone thing. I never get it right. <laughs> Although all you gotta do is just turn it on and push the button. <laughs> but it's a daggone easy. I screw it up anyway. Uh, is it is it pretty good in an air fryer or not? Oh yeah, man. Shoot yeah. You you, you know you ain't got no grease. Yeah, it, it gets good and crispy. Air fryer is the way to go, really. Yeah, Cat Daddy says you got to watch it, though, because the catfish keep jumping out. They do jump out of the air fryer. <laughs> I, I Yeah, that would be nice not having the grease because everyone has cooked bacon with their shirts off, and that's a mistake, <laughs> yeah. okay? That grease. How about nude? <laughs> yeah, that grease. Oh, yeah, get your dangly in there. Uh, hey, you know, speaking of bacon, I was told if you flour up your bacon mm-hmm. and put it on a sheet in the oven, it won't shrink a bit. And it, it stays just like it is out, out of the package, you know. It has no shrinkage at all. You're a shower, not a grower. <laughs> Maybe I put some flour on before I go swimming. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go, Graham. <laughs> I still won't help. All right, so Cat Daddy, do you have anything available? <laughs> now that this conversation is really went downhill, uh, do you have anything available, buddy, trips-wise? Well, this is, this is a wild one today. <laughs> yeah, we got trips ready to go. You guys, you know, just, just bear the weather. And we'll go out there and get you something to put on your plate for dinner. How do we find you? www.catdaddyguideservices.com. Yeah, and if you get your latest and greatest bacon recipe, you yep. can send it to Cat Daddy at <laughs> catdaddy underscore one at msn.com. And don't show them all the photographs. No, just censor your photographs. This has been brought to you by Gold's Flour. <laughs> no, brought to you by... Shaking with the bacon, brother. <laughs> Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs and side-by-side vehicles. Please drive them responsibly and closed. 
Look them up, YamahaMotorsports.com. Cat Daddy, we love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Gold medal flower. (laughs) (laughs) Stick around. The revolution with Jim and Trav will continue right after these messages. Reimagine every adventure, every terrain, every incredible memory. The Yamaha Wolverine family of side-by-side vehicles help you reimagine off-road capability, comfort, and confidence. Available right now at your local Yamaha dealer. With the Wolverine R-Max 21000 and R-Max 41000, recreation meets sport and maximum power meets maximum comfort and versatility. And with the Wolverine X2 and X4850, extreme terrain meets its match. Find your Yamaha Wolverine at your local Yamaha dealer or at YamahaMotorsports.com. That's YamahaMotorsports.com. Always protect the environment and wear your seatbelt, helmet, eye protection, and protective clothing. Read the owner's manual and product warning labels before operation. Vehicle specification subject to change. I'm Al Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. At 67, I went to see the doctor for the first time in my life and found that I had medical problems. He told me that was normal for my age. I don't believe God intended us to be sick and old. I decided to find something to bring my health back. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the human system. Balance 7 gave me back what I lost by getting older. I no longer get out of bed with a joint discomfort. Balance 7 can do for you what it has done for me and many others. In three days time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort and clarity of thinking. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking the healthy immune system. Bring your body back to balance. Order now, receive free shipping with the code word AL. Go to balance7.com, that's balance7.com. Order now and get your free shipping and a free gift with your order. Go to balance7.com, Use the code word L. Great show, everyone. We just got to get out of here. Man, this is it. Oh, no. This sounds serious and real. This concludes the revolution with Jim and Trav this week. What the hell are you still doing here? Don't forget to drop the boys some feedback and stay in touch at JimandTrav.com. Hey, what a great show this week. We talk about bushcraft basics, and of course we had Casey Kiefer on. Yeah, we also had Daniel Vitalis and Cat Daddy. I'm not too sure what Cat Daddy added, but it was entertaining. Jimbo, last word, man. Hey, last word is, and I've been thinking about this for some time, think about getting your child a lifetime hunting and fishing license. Yep. I mean, if you get it when they're super young, you're years ahead when it comes to saving money. All right, and also hammer home firearm safety. That's right. It's imperative. We'll return next week, boys and girls. God bless you. Thanks for listening, and God bless the United States of America. Bam. Bam.